How y'all feeling? I had a great drive this morning to Versailles. We have a daughter trying out for a volleyball team there, and um, it was uh, an early morning for me. I, I'm usually like a 7 a.m. kind of guy on Sunday mornings. Today was more of like the 545, uh, which I don't like to see that unless it's like Monday through Thursday uh, or Monday through Friday. But anyway, um, it, the, it was so beautiful. If you guys get a chance to drive a long distance to church, many of you do, um, the sunrise and the autumn uh, leaves and just the, the beauty of, of the Lord driving was just incredible. And uh, so on my way home alone, I, uh, man, just enjoyed the presence of Jesus and just some alone time and saw some horse and buggies. That's always exciting. Like, ah, that's cool. So, but I'm doing good. Hey, uh, you can tell Destiny's a spiritual daughter, lived with us for a couple years um, because she's an Ohio State fan. So, um, <laughs> That being said, I am so sorry. That was like salt in the wound to all the Michigan fans. So my condolences, sincere condolences. I was so hoping you would win so that we could just smash you in a few weeks. But at any rate, let's, let's get on with the word of the Lord other than that word of the Lord, okay? Um, one of the things that just popped in my heart today on my drive home was like, I'm in love with a king who came as a son to set me free. You ever thought of that? Like, just, just that simple thought just moved my heart this morning. That I'm in love with a king who came as a son to set me free. And I just, I soaked in that. I got teary-eyed driving. I had to kind of wipe those away so I was a little safer. And, um, man, I'm just moved by just that thought, moved by that revelation, moved by that reality. Last week was cool. We, we got to see some healings, got to see Jesus do what Jesus does. He, uh, he healed people, set people free. Set the captives free. And um, how, many, how many enjoyed that? We had about a dozen healings in here, tangible, physical healings. If that's weird to you, welcome to Upper Room. Jesus is perfect theology. He became the example so that we can walk and demonstrate who he really is in his power and revealing his love. So um, you can watch it online. We had some backs healed, some knees healed, some, some cool things happening. And uh, we believe more will confirm healing through physicians and testing and different things that are going on in their bodies. So um, we, we suggest you walk that out through professionals. That was our disclaimer last week. If you're going through testing, you think you're healed, please do not just remove yourself from medicines. All right, let the doctors confirm it. We don't need sympathy healing. If he healed you, he'll prove it. So anyway, we got to experience some goodness of God. So I, I want to just piggyback right from that. And um, there's a song the Doobie Brothers uh, sings called Taking It to the Streets. Anybody familiar with that song? You just revealed your age in here, all of you who are, are familiar with that song. So, so how do we translate what happens last week in a church service how do we translate that out into the streets? How do, how do we translate that healing, that manifestation, that goodness of God into my officer's meeting this week at the fire department? How, how, do, how does this, like, I'm just going to be honest with you. If I walked in to worship Jesus the way that Pam worships Jesus in a fire department meeting, I'd be laughed at, and it would not go over well, and I'd probably lose face. It would be weird, right? Sometimes it's weird in here, and that's okay. Weird's good. We're a peculiar people, right? But, but here's the deal. How does this translate, and how do we bring this? How do we package up Jesus in a tangible way to the hospital we work in, to the school we teach in, to, to, the, to the house we're going to sell? sell. How, how do we do that? And, and today, that's really a follow-up from last week, is how does this translate? Because I'll be honest with you, there's some cultural things that are acceptable in here that may not be acceptable in my officer's meeting, or, or when you're up on a ladder, Josh, changing out wiring. All right, you, you can't just feel the same move of the Holy Spirit at times when you're up on a ladder as you can here on, on solid ground on the floor, right? You can't just lay out like, oh, no, like you're, you're paid to do a job, okay? You do unto the Lord. So, so that's really today, it's a follow-up. So we're gonna go right back to Mark 16, the Great Commission. And that's just where we're gonna um, just kind of continue on from last week and launch from this week. Um, next week's Veterans Day. I, I believe we're celebrating Veterans Day next week. So excited to honor the veterans and, and this great, incredible nation that, that we live in. So how many are excited for the U.S. of A? It's incredible. Love this country. So Mark 16, and we're going to read verses 15 through 20. And I'm just going to go straight into the Great Commission because we read this already last week in the full context. So, and then we're going to just really emphasize the ending. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who what? Who believe, the believers. 
Not the elders of the church, not just the pastors, not those who are ordained or went to seminary. These, these miraculous signs will accompany believers. And it says, they will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in a new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and this is what we put into practice last week. They will be able to lay hands on the sick, and they will what? Recover. They will be made well. They will be healed. Okay, it doesn't say they might be, like God's will, his intention, his heart is that, that, he, that you are healed, that you are whole. He was broken so we could be whole, right? Here, here we go then. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. Everybody say, went everywhere. Amen. Say, preached. Preach. Say, preach it. You can just say that like multiple times as I'm speaking. The more engaged you are, the shorter I might actually preach. So let's just try this out today. Let's try it out. Oh, yeah, this is good. I'm a words of affirmation guy. I'm feeling good. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said and by many miraculous signs. So Jesus is telling them directly. He's, he's, he's actually just rebuked them. They're, they're sitting down. He's like, I rebuke you for not realizing it was me when you saw me. But this is what's going to happen for those who believe. He talks about, here's the plan of salvation. Believe, be baptized. Here's what you're going to walk as as believers. You're going to walk in power and authority and anointing. And you can do these things. And then it says, okay, then they realize that he got taken up to sit at a place of honor to the, to the side of the Father, right? And then what happens is, and he says, then they went everywhere and preached... And then it says, and the, word, the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So let me just, just say this. We're going to really define revival, and what is it? Revival is you. Okay, we, we want to we put revival in this box, and, and I'm going to define, for all you non-churchy people like Destiny was, we're going to talk about revival. That's like, you know, us charismatic people, we're like, yeah, revival, ah! Us Pentecostal people, revival, Yeah! Then there's non-church people like, what's revival? Is that like the business in Troy that sells plants and macaroons and some other stuff? No, we're, we're going to kind of wrap this up here and, and kind of define it. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For the Spirit of God did not give us a spirit of fear, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. So, so let me just say, authority comes from the commission. We are co-missioning with the Lord. That is our commission. Mark 16, Matthew 28. It is the great commission that we are given authority in to actually go into all nations, baptize people, tell them, preach them, present the good news, and allow them the same opportunity for an encounter with the Lord. So our authority comes from the commission. The power comes from an encounter with Holy Spirit. The love comes from intimacy with him, and wisdom comes from maturity. I know that's a lot. That's not the main point, so we'll just kind of like keep moving on here. But the authority comes from the commission. And the power comes from, from an encounter. The power comes from Holy Spirit in us. The hope of glory is inside us. So, so what's revival? Is revival a set of meetings? Is revival a place in Florida that once had revival? Or, or that's our definition of revival? That's a place called Lakeland or, or all of these places, right? Or, or Wales? Or is that revival? Is revival, you know, a week of meetings? Is revival a movement? Is revival a, a set of services or a system or a phenomena? No, I mean, that is the fruit of revival. That is, that is what the, the package or the vehicle of revival may look like, but revival is simply people that caught the fire of Jesus. It's God who starts the fire in the tabernacle, but it's the priests that keep the fire burning. It's God who, who initiates and ignites a fire in us, but it's us that keeps the fire burning. Let me, let me just say, it's, it's he that revives us. We were once dead to sin, now all of a sudden we're alive in Christ. That is revival. I, I pointed you out just a few weeks ago, after the week after you got baptized, free from heroin since May, right? Is that accurate? I would be remiss to say that there's not revival happening in her life just because she's not in a city and it's a series of services throughout a year or a week or a month. There's revival happening, and all of a sudden, she becomes the revival around her. So, so we want to we put revival in this box, right? Revival's not a box. It's a person. His name's Jesus. Yeah. Revival's a person. Revival lives in us, and revival becomes us. So all of a sudden, we get to become revival, to be revival, to release revival. Because yeah. revival is simply this. Let me give you a Webster's definition. An act or instance of reviving, the state of being revived. 
an often highly emotional evangelistical meeting or series of meetings. Now, here's the second definition. Restoration of force, validity, or effect. It is not just a series of meetings. There's three definitions talking about revival is actually bringing dead things to life. And I don't know about you, but the world we're living in right now is it's pretty hopeless. It's pretty joy-deprived. These are things that we're literally maneuvering through our day-to-day basis. We have nurses that go here that are going into COVID wings every day, and there is hopelessness there. There are people in ventilators with a less than 5% chance of walking out of there. When we get to bring life to that family, when we get to bring life to that situation, when we get to bring hope or joy or peace, right, to those environments and those cultures, all of a sudden now revival is breaking out. And let me just say this, revival truly isn't fully happening if it's not impacting influencers and impacting culture and changing it around us. It's hard for me to say that Miami Valley is in revival when cancer wards are full. It's, it's hard for me to say that Miami County is in revival when suicide rates are up and addiction rates are up. When we start experiencing massive revival on that scale, all of a sudden suicide rates will drop because revival is God and Jesus, bring, Jesus bringing things back to life and you can fill in that blank, bringing blank back to life. So all of a sudden we say, okay, bringing health back to life, that people are actually well and moving and I'm not talking medicines, I'm not talking doctors and surgeries. I'm saying like you actually get whole. You walk this thing out. It's the yes and amen. God's yes is his promise. The amen is our process. Somewhat on a roll. I'm totally off notes. We'll we'll catch up later. But, But here's the deal. Revival hits an area when people like us actually capture something like we did last week. And then we actually bring it outside the walls and we bring it in our workplaces, our homes, our marriages, our extended families. That, that's revival when there's actually life being breathed in there. I, I love the Bible when it talks about life and the breath of God. And when Holy Spirit blew through the day of Pentecost in Acts, it talks about that. It was the Ruach breath. The same breath is, is from the same context of the word in Acts as it was when he breathed life into Adam. The Ruach breath of God. Life into the situation. There is a wind that's sweeping that this generation, that this culture, that our society, that the nations need, and it is the breath of life of God breathing life into dead situations. That's, that's revival. Let me, let me move on here. Revivals are short-lived if we're stuck in buildings and we're not actually leaking out and impacting culture. So what's revival of you? So... I'm just going to encourage us today, and we're going to go through some scriptures and, and do some cool whiteboard stuff. I love whiteboards. I don't do it often here, but I love, I get, I get all crazy. But we need to quit praying for revival and just be revival. Let, let, me, let me rephrase that. We need to continue to be, be praying for revival, but also be revival. Let, let me just put it this in context. The Pharisees and Sadducees were praying for a Messiah, for a Savior to come, and Jesus came in their midst, and he missed it. They missed it. Because he didn't fit in their box. He didn't fit in what their perception was of what a Messiah was going to be. And that that he's supposed to be a king, but he came as a son. And came in plain, average kind of family. And was born in some type of barn cave kind of area with animals and hay. Or straw, right? So all of a sudden, the Sadducees and Pharisees and the religious people and the teachers even of the time missed Jesus. We keep praying for revival. We keep praying for an awakening when he's in us. When Jesus is sweeping through people like this and people like Destiny and, and others, you all have experienced revival in your life or you wouldn't be here for this moment today. And we will overlook that and we'll overlook and we'll overcomplicate this just like we do the gospel oftentimes because we're waiting for this picture of revival of what we think it should be. And it should be a week of meetings in a church where we're locked in doing this thing that we always thought revival would be. Revival is us actually moving outside these walls, actually moving outside of my comfort zone and applying faith and applying Jesus to the everyday places around me. Oh, that's fun, isn't it? When you start to picture that, doesn't that lighten the load? Like, oh, wait, man, we, we get to actually do this. Yeah, the Bible, this is actually an invitation for us to have some fun. Last week was only a glimpse of what the Lord actually has the power and capability to do. A few healings, you know, a lot of the gospel and the journey that he did, it documented all these miracles, that was maybe a three-day period to a three-week period, they think. Not a series of books can contain all of what Jesus did. There's your invitation. Let, let, let's move on here. John 4. 
Everybody say this declaration. Everywhere I go, go. revival breaks out. out. All right. Are we past the churchy version of what revival should look like? Revival looks like you actually walking in your God-given anointing and your identity of who God created you to be and just releasing that to others because Christ in you is the hope of glory and he's revival. There's your definition. All right, we're going to read all of John. Sound good? I better hydrate. Nicole, she got a gallon, one of those gallon things. I have one, and it's like, again, a word of affirmation, guys. So it's like 7 a.m., you got this. You know, at 9, I forget what they say, but 9 a.m., you're doing great. You get to 5 p.m., you're almost there. Good job. And it's like these markers on it. So yesterday, we drive to Columbus, and Nicole's taking her gallon. It's, it's in the morning. We, our daughter had asked us. She celebrated her seventh birthday yesterday, so we went to American Girl uh, store. Wow. One time we went in Chicago. This was uh, when we were a little financially more blessed. I had a business, <laughs> and we went to Chicago, and, um, and we, we took all the girls there. They were all the age of still loving baby dolls, and we bought them all an American Girl doll. It was like $700, and I go to check out. I was like, I could have bought a car. <laughs> My current car is not worth that, just to be really honest with you, and I'm being on, like totally, absolutely serious. So yesterday was not that. They had gift cards, and it was awesome. But, uh, but anyway, on the way there, Nicole's like, Give me, get, don't forget my jug. I was like, we are driving like half the day. You're seriously going to drink this water? She's like, yeah, I'm going to drink. I'm like, okay. And uh, I worked on the message while she drove on the way there and um, was just, just prepping some things. And, and then like the things at my foot the whole time, I was like, really? She, she's like, all right, give me a drink. I give it to her. We get home last night at like 8 or 9 o'clock. We get home. I put it on the counter. It was the same exact spot where we left in the morning. Morning. And I'm like, she's not in here to defend herself. She's serving in kids' area today, so I can just totally, like, bash her. But anyway, didn't even try. Anyway, I've had days like that. All that for hydration. How many, how many know that we're getting ready to read the Scripture says we'll never go thirsty again? Maybe Nicole was walking in that quenching thirst by Jesus yesterday. All right. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. That probably messed with people, didn't it? <laughs> anyway. So, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on, away, on his way. Eventually, he came to Samaritan village of Sychar. I don't know. I hope I'm saying that right. Near the field that Jacob gave his sons Joseph. Jacob's well was there. I, I preached from this context a while ago, drawing, drawing from wells. And how what, what once used to gather people uh, of, of the Old Testament and Israelites to, to worship and, and draw is gathering people still today, right? Humanity to Jesus. So anyway, it says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her. Now, now here's just amazing. He was actually on his way from one place to another. On Mother's Day, Nicole preached this sermon or, or spoke this sermon that was basically called uh, Making the Most of Every Moment. You guys remember that? And it was talking about Jesus on his way from one place to another, and all of a sudden, a woman with the issue of blood says, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. So Jesus, along his journey, actually embraced the journey and continued to work and do things. We can become so destination-minded that we're almost paralyzed by in the moment. Let me just say this, revival isn't just a destination, it's a lifestyle. Heaven isn't just a destination, it's, it's a lifestyle. I love what Todd White says, he says that, that Jesus died on a cross so that you could get to heaven, but also heaven can get into you. Yeah. Heaven is not just a destination, it's, it's, an, it's a lifestyle. John 10, 10 would back this up, it says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give what? Life, eternal life, and life abundantly here on earth. So he came to give life that we can walk as a lifestyle. So, so embracing the moment, it's not just about achieving, it's also about receiving. So freely we receive revival, freely now we can give. Freely we receive love, we can give love. Freely we receive the joy of our salvation, right? The joy of Jesus, freely we can give it. So all we're doing is getting so full that our cup literally runs over. If you can picture that, like becoming a fa- like you're sitting under the faucet of heaven. God is pouring out into you whatever it is that you need, you desire, you want, you, you, you even don't want or need because he's that good. And now we're just now giving this back out. It's leaking. It's splashing out onto others. So let's move on here. 
So here's the woman. Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, now here's a pretty amazing story, okay? I, I was recently listening to my friend's message, and he actually pulled from this context for a different angle. Uh, Jamie Van Gelder, worth the listen. And, and he was talking about how this represents, how she represents culture right now from a different background, a different race, okay? And now, if you, now as I read this, begin to realize how Jesus was connecting regardless of a political view, regardless of a racial color, regardless of all these things, he's taking time outside of his day to actually go against culture, against society, and against rules to engage with somebody that would be looked down upon. Taking time away from him being tired. How many, how many of you are like, I'm tired, I'm not talking to anybody today? Am I the only one that feels that sometimes? So this is Jesus in that moment, like, ah, this is, this is an introvert day for me. Yeah. Like, Jesus is having this moment, and now, boom, this lady comes. Now, let's read on. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's referring to the natural well. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than all the, our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? How many know that Jesus' well is way deeper than Jacob's well? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman says, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Now, here's where it gets kind of cool. Last week, we talked about encouragement and the prophetic. Sometimes we, we as, as believers, Christians, who, who, aren't, who haven't walked in the prophetic or been part of a prophetic church, get a little weird with the prophetic because it's been abused. It's been flaunted on television and, and manipulated to the point where it turns people the, the wrong way at times. But true prophetic is meant to encourage, to uplift, to, to grab attention, to comfort, right? That's, that's the prophetic. It's, remember what I said last week, the gifts, healing, all of this prophetic is literally only to reveal the Father's heart, to reveal his love to each person in, in, a, in, in a culture, let's say. That's the purpose. You're right. You don't have a husband, for you have five, you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. She's still not getting it, is she? So tell me, why is this that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter where you worship, it's how you worship. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, in the unknown realm and the known realm. The Bible says, taste and see that he's good. Taste is the experience of literally experiencing that God's good, and see is, is, is literally the, the, the witness realm. I get to taste and experience that he's good, and also witness and see that he's good, and see that effect on others. So see, we worship him in spirit and truth in this, in this the unknown, the supernatural realm, the things that we can't see. Destiny says, I'm going to read this because this gives me a visual. Now that's the known realm now. I can worship him in that known realm, spirit and truth. And, and, and it's cool to say all the facets of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? So we can worship him in spirit. We can also worship him in the truth of knowing he's good. Here's the truth that declares he's good. And it's so many different layers of context there. Let, let's move on. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. She encountered Messiah. She encountered his goodness. But let me just say this. It didn't come through a sign or a wonder on this one. It didn't come through a healing. 
He took time out of his day. He showed grace. He showed mercy. He showed love and kindness and gentleness. And he showed no bias to a race. He showed no bias to, to her being married for previous times or even living with a man. He's literally loving her right where she's at. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village doing what? Telling everyone. Telling everyone. Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let me just say this. When you experience, when you encounter Jesus and you begin to expo exploit that to others, people want what you have. People come streaming to see, wow, how do you now have that joy? Now, how do you have that hope? Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained. Now, this is amazing. We go from, we, we go from this point of the story where Jesus is on this journey. He stops to take a rest. And now he's taking time out of his day to touch a woman the way that she needs it. Some will, be some will encounter Jesus through power. Some will encounter Jesus through love and, and even wisdom. Not everybody needs and receives Jesus the same way. Let me just say this. Every single person will have a different encounter experiencing and a come-to-Jesus moment to be born again for who he really is. He's not in a box. Let me just hang on this for just a second. He's not in a box. The way I needed Jesus and the way that my theology as an atheist had become was totally different than anybody else in here. So I needed to experience Jesus in a different way than anybody else in here. Just as you're the same. Maybe, maybe somebody takes them getting healed, boom, Jesus is real. Me, I needed to feel, I needed to experience, I needed to cry. Don't you tell anybody at the fire department that. I hadn't cried in several years. I wanted to feel emotion. I wanted to feel hurt. I'd become so hard and so uh, just, just numb to everything and all emotion. I couldn't feel joy. I couldn't feel pain. I couldn't feel hurt. I couldn't feel sadness. I needed to feel emotion of God. All of a sudden, he makes himself real. I have this power encounter with the Lord. And that was my story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a, has, has a road to Damascus experience that they need, and some is going to be different. So we get to bring revival to each person the way they need it because God's that good. So then we go through this experience where Jesus is doing this to now he's going to be talking about the harvest. Isn't that amazing? Worship and God's goodness always lead to an encounter that leads to harvest. I like Steve Bowen, one of our pastors, says, you're always saved for, from something to be saved for something. You don't just come to church, you actually go, church. Let me, let me move on here. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? There's your invitation. You get to be the planter and the harvester. You know the saying, Our, one plants and another harvests. And, it, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. We're going to stop there. God is calling us to be planters and harvesters. He's calling us to be revivalists. Part of our, my bio when we go speak out and stuff, it, it says, uh, from atheist to revivalist in one encounter. It's like these real cool words, right? Mostly for church people, because most conferences you go to is full of, like, middle-aged church people. <laughs> But God's moving beyond that. He's moving in a generation that is, that is awakened by signs and wonders. He's moving in a generation that's drawn to the authenticity of who God is. He's moving amongst a generation that's hungering and longing for a deep encounter with the Lord. Conferences aren't selling out, but Maverick City worship nights are. For a young generation, what's going on? Most churches are declining, and yet a place like Upper Room, we're growing because there's something real and authentic. There's something genuine here. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about what's cultivated here is freedom. 
What's cultivated here is that, that Pam can wave flags around and no one judges her because we're not judging what's behind that flag. Or Kenny can yell out glory because no one's judging what's behind that shout. There's something happening because you have the permission to be you and the way God created you to be. And everybody goes to a funeral and responds differently. Everybody goes to an Ohio State game and responds differently. There were some of those guys last night with painted chests. I would not do that. It's like 20-year-olds had dad bods. They need to go to Tyler's gym. They need to work on some programming that Ken can lay out for them. But everybody responds different, right? Same thing in a church environment. We all respond different. It's okay to lay out and just soak in his glory. It's okay to shout out. The thing is this, everybody's different, but God loves us all the same. Let, let, me, let me move on. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? To the end of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to actually go everywhere and reveal the goodness of God, his love, his power, his works, his mighty ways, and his depth of intimacy. Psalms 34, 8. Let's, let's just give scripture context to what I said earlier. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. I get to experience and taste and witness and see that the Lord's good. And now I get to bring this out to everywhere. All right, now let's get into the practicality of some of this. Cool with that? All right, we're going to flash a number up on the board, okay? That number you're going to be able to text right now. And we're going to go over some ways to bring revival to the people around us. I, I spoke at a school in, in Georgia a couple weeks ago and kind of got to this inadvertently. Can everybody see? Look good. If you're watching online, we want you to engage as well. So you can text this number, 506-0011. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to call this covert. We're going to give this word overt. Next week's Veterans Day, but we're going to talk in terms of a little military. There's different types of missions. My, my brother-in-law was a Green Beret, and he talks about hot and cold is what he, he identifies them as. Cold uh, would be more of your covert. Cold would be setting up a clinic in Afghanistan, gathering intel, providing help, nourishment, even medical things to Afghanis. Overt was a mission. He was telling me he dropped in on a helicopter, on a, on a UTV with a 50 cal mounted and a cot, dropping in a hot zone, getting a wounded soldier, going back in the helicopter, and going back to safety. Overt, covert. Covert, overt. Got to figure out which side I'm on. We're hot and cold. So, so anyway, in this middle here, if I could have a third board or a middle space here, this would be the relationship, Okay. This would be what I would call, Paul Yadal says it this way, so the kingdom grows in the soil of relationships. This is trust. This is love. This is rapport, all right? This is where things are established. Now, now I'll, I'll use the context for me, maybe the fire department. It's easy to say, well, you're a pastor. You can do this stuff. Well, I'm also a fireman, okay? And, and that is an environment that is very real. It's very raw. That's full of all kinds of walks of life, okay? And we're, we're, we're helping and serving the community with also all walks of life. So covert, this is where you get to text. What are covert missions, okay? So let me just start, and then we'll go into this realm. We can just keep that, that, that uh, number up there, okay? So this would be, let's say, a smile, okay? Character or integrity. Okay, I'm going to let you fill in the rest. Josh is going to text them to me uh, as you text them to him. He was going to filter them out for me. Okay, so overt would be prayer, laying on of hands. Okay, and let's just say signs, wonders, miracles, gospel. Okay. Salvations. Okay, and, and we'll, we'll go on that to this in a minute, but just, just the simple context of being different. Now, how many know that God will move across borders? And sometimes you can just skip straight to this. There still has to be this. Okay, but I want to talk to you about, um, this is the practical ways to bring revival to the places against you. And I have like an hour and a half left to, to do this with you, okay? 
It's class time, okay? This is three-hour lecture hall kind of stuff here. So very quickly, we're going to go through this. But, but this is, and, and, and a lot of times, Steve Bowen is, has written a book on this, Go, Go So, okay? And this is the kindness. This is the, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that lead men to repentance. We want to, as charismatics, as, as believers, we want to go straight into this. And, and, and we want to go straight here. And if this isn't happening, then it's a waste of time. Well, I, I don't know about you, but we're called planters and harvesters. Okay? And sometime, sometime we, we have to plant, establish this rapport and relationship, and then harvest. So, so at times, it's me actually just being an ear for a while. It's me actually keeping my word at work. That's building rapport and not kept being caught talking about somebody else behind their back or, or whatever. It's being consistent and true to my character here that actually will lead to a lot of this stuff that's going to be over here. A smile, that's, that's just really cool because that's an irresistible hug. They do not have the right to refuse that. Listen, the Bible says that the kids actually wanted to go, un, go to Jesus if he was this angry God and this angry Jesus, the kids would never be drawn to him. I'm pretty sure he probably smiled more than the pictures that we see painted of him. All right, so text, text this stuff in. What are other covert missions? What are other covert ways to reveal the goodness of God, to, to expose people to... So, so let me just, as we get some of those in, because I need a list of them. So as we go there, we have a coffee shop. The church owns a separate nonprofit. We're an umbrella for the separate nonprofit. That's the coffee shop in downtown Tip called Grounds for Pleasure. If you didn't know that, congratulations. You're part of a church that owns a coffee shop. And it was, an, it was a covert mission to allow people to experience the goodness of God, honor, love, encouragement in the business realm, in the secular realm that may not step into a church building. So there's, there's rapport being established through the baristas. There's discipleship happening. Tiana's discipling the employees. There's discipleship happening. And, and only about half of them or less actually go to the church here. But they are a strong faith and they're a strong goodness of God there, okay? They ride on cups. You are loved. All these things. It's cool. Because what the hope is that eventually the harvest happens through that covert mission, and let me just say this, if you're always this, you may miss out on a whole demographic that just wants this for now. The Bible puts it in the context. Paul talks about the milk and the meat, the milk and moving on to a real meal, right? It's kind of a different language. Some people aren't ready for the meat, so we plant. Those who are ready for the meat, we get to harvest. I, I remember, let me, let me, can I share one more story? A really cool guy I used to work with, he no longer works at Troy Fire. He was an atheist, and, um, and I can totally relate. And he asked me to, to marry he and his wife and officiate their, their wedding. And I was like, oh, man, how do I do that, knowing that holy matrimony comes from God, and how can I join this couple in union in what I view as God's definition of a relationship between a man and woman on earth if they don't believe in that, et cetera. And I'm like, okay, I processed this. This was years ago, probably way more religious than I am now. And uh, I call a mentor in Indiana who also works for the court system, and, and Gary Gary was his name, and Gary Dalton uh, was a probation officer. And I was like, hey, what would you do? How do you do this? He's like, well, why is he an atheist? And I was like, well, let me ask. I got back, and I was like, why, why, don't, why are you against the church, man? Why are you against God? And find out, we get into this long conversation, hypocrisy. He saw people that said they were Christians that actually pushed him away because they were not doing this. So he's like, hey, man, why don't you just do this? Why don't you say, yeah, you'll marry them? As the chaplain of the fire department, you'll marry them. You just can't pronounce them holy matrimony because the only thing holy is derived from God, and maybe he'll feel he's missing out on something. Okay. So I go. We have the premarital counseling. I was like, hey, man, I'm totally honored to do your thing. He was excited. We're friends. Really love this guy. And uh, I was like, yeah, we'll do it. And, but I just can't pronounce you holy matrimony. Wait, what? Why? Well, only thing holy is derived from God. You can only be holy if it's derived from God. So, but I, I can still marry and do the state requirements and, and make, make, make the thing the real deal. Wait, what, why, I don't want to miss out. How do I got, what do you got to do to be holy matrimony? So, so one night, we're at the fire department. And uh, I'm, I'm laying, we're laying in our bunks, and it's this big open bunk room. And, and he's like, this is like, we had four hours of conversation. We go to bed. I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm dozing off. It's like one in the morning. Aaron, 
this God thing. So, okay. He's like, if I believe the way I believe, I'm just matter taking up space. That doesn't make sense. But this holy matrimony thing, if, you, if I believe the way you believe, then there's actually purpose in this life. He's like, exactly. He's like, I think I want your God. There was two to three years of investment here. There was me saying yes and building that rapport of trust and relationship and just being absolutely honest with him. And I was, through that process, I was like, man, I love you. I'm your friend. And then I went, when I went back to him, I said, if I say no to marrying you, I'm no different than any hypocrite that's ever been in your life. I would love to marry you and your wife. And now it can be holy matrimony. All right, let me go through the text here. Okay. All right. I'm just going to list a bunch of things and read them out loud as I, as I say. L- let me just, there's going to be a lot of things. One's meals, one's holding a door. Um, so meals, I would consider that generosity. If any one of you judge my spelling today, <laughs> if I happen to spell a word wrong, you can just walk right, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ask questions, Listen. You know, there's a scripture that goes along with that. It says, be interested in the lives of others. Um, stop and help. <laughs> there's a lot of firemen in here right now and, uh, and, and probably watching online. You know how many people now, like our whole world's changed the last 20 years. Before, we would get called and, and we'd get to an accident scene and it's all these people there trying to help and really be good Samaritan. It's been, it was pretty cool. Now, people just call and they just keep driving. <laughs> So most, a lot of times we go on these accidents on the interstate, they're just like, no, I actually just had a flat tire. But no one stopped to help and ask. So, but my wife did the other day. I was like, don't you stop, that's dangerous. You just call 911 and keep driving. <laughs> you had the kids in the car, what were you thinking? Well, he looked hurt. All right. Uh, this is... Ask, listen, text. This is like text, inquire. I'm seeing a lot of that. Check on somebody. Those are all overt things. Um, Man, where's this fall? Intercession. Covert or overt? Okay, we'll do both. I'm falling behind here. Um, Hugs, buying lunch. Oh, geez, Josh, slow down. Oh, this is a good one. I'm trying to, like, peruse these. Doing your job with excellence. Scripture context. Do everything you do as if you're doing unto the Lord. This goes a long way wherever you are. Kind of goes back to this integrity, too. Um, Positive. It's talking about being positive is contagious. How many believe in that? Um, I'm going to put this one down, especially for me. Uh, grow a mustache and a mullet. Let me see here. This goes right here. Because it's fun. Here's, here's the other thing. This has led to so many open conversations. Linda, this morning, says, Aaron, I like you before your mustache. Where's Chelsea? Chelsea, where's Chelsea? Chelsea, there you are. I allowed her the opportunity to be vulnerable, open, and honest with me a couple weeks ago. She says, Aaron, do you like your mustache? I said, no. No, I don't. It's like, oh, good, me either. <laughs> it's amazing when, you're, when you have, like, a platform and, and you get the limelight a little bit. Like, how many opinions people have of you? This has actually revealed to me how much you guys actually, like, think of me, dislike me, like me. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, okay. There are so many here. Um, let me, let me get, get focused here so we can close the deal. And hospitality. Um, I like this one over, invite to church. You, you know the Father's love 
And Jesus reconciling us back to the Father is actually inviting people into a family, and family needs a home. We used to say, well, we don't need to invite the church, just, just let the Lord deal. And that's absolutely true. You don't need a church to be saved. But a church is like a gym. It helps you stay healthy. Uh, yeah, gospel. Let's see here. Good attitude, motives, being fun. That's both. Okay. Joy. In his presence is the fullness of what? There's joy in his salvation. That's joy. Like, we should be happy Christians. Let me just say this. Disney should not be the funnest place on earth. We should be. I've been to Disney, and I had a great experience there, but I cannot tell you how many moms I saw yelling at kids and kids crying. It's like, this is the happiest place on earth. It doesn't look like it. And I'll be honest with you, that's a lot of the American church. Should be the happiest place on earth. Doesn't look like it. You've been yelling and crying and pleading for that same thing for the last 20 minutes. Jesus said he'd do it in one second. Anyway. Be kind. That's a good one. Do we have that already? Maybe not. Did you know that they say that on Sundays the lowest tips occur with servers? Being generous and kind. And did you know that 50% of people don't even make eye contact with a server? Don't think you're better than somebody else. Be interested interested in their life. Ask questions. How's your day going? And if you have crappy service, tip anyway. Maybe it's not the 25%. Maybe it's more like the 10%, but maybe they just went through a really hard time. Ask, you might know. All right, over. Okay. Uh, Okay, there's some cool ones here. Over. Blogging. Oh, let's just put this on there. Social media. That's my best picture of a gun. That is a loaded gun. I love to hunt. Guns can be used for really, really great things. Guns can be used for really, really bad things. And how are you using your social media? Have you built that rapport? No one asks for your opinion necessarily on some of the things we engage in. All right, anyway. Okay, that's enough. Okay, you get the point. Let me see where I am on on notes, time. I'm done with time. Let's see if there's anything that I should have said. I don't pursue miracles. I look for opportunities to reveal the Father's love and power through his hope of glory that lives inside of me. I don't pursue these things necessarily. This is goals. The goals is that actually our life actually makes an impact to lead to a lot of this stuff. And let me just show you what the harvest will look like, okay? What this harvest looks like is suicide rate goes down, divorce rate goes down, economy goes up. I'm sorry, Shelby, but ER visits go down. Good news, Tyler. Gym memberships increase, though. <laughs> this, is, this is the fruit. The fruit is that we'll actually see lasting impact of the revival around us because Jesus makes a difference in our culture, in the society, and in the people around us. All, all this leads. That's being revival. All right, that's all I got. I got tons more notes, but why don't you stand with me? Arise and shine. That was my last scripture I was going to share. So arise. Everybody Arise. Trust me, I'm not a judge. Not that they're bad, but the only judge I want to sit in front of is God, and I want him to be super proud of me. Pretty confident he is for each one of you as well. All right, let me just say this. The greatest expression of the go is love. I was going to read um, Paul's definition of love in, in Corinthians, and love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't but et cetera. And then it gets to the end, and and a couple of verses later, it says the greatest, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love, right? And John 13, 35 says this, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. How will they know that you're Christ followers? How will they know that you're his disciples? By the love you show one towards the other. Love, love, love conquers, it says, the Bible says love conquers a multitude of sin. And what the world needs now it's love, sweet love. 
Taking it to the streets. Woohoo! I'll leave it to the band. <laughs> Picking up what you're putting down. All right. Okay. We're, we're going to have a prayer team come up. If you have prayer needs today, if you, if, uh, if you still have illness in your body, pain, if you're going through a hard relational thing. Um, but I, wanna, I want this to be a specific invitation uh, for you and the prayer team today. Maybe you don't know, like you don't even have a grid for this because you've not received like Jesus in any of these ways. You've met that nasty person that my friend at the fire department met. And you don't even know Jesus to have any of this or be any of this. And you've only seen him on a throne being a judge waiting for you to mess up. That is not a good, loving father. That's not closer than a friend or a brother. That's not a Messiah or a Savior or a healer. Like, like that's the judge. So, so maybe you just need relationship with Jesus. Maybe you need to, to fill up so that you can leak out. Maybe you need to experience revival so that you can be revival. So that's the main invitation today. And we'll close out for everybody else. And we're going to close out with this verse. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise, shine, for his light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon who? Us, me, you. That's right, amen? So we get to be light bearers. We get to be, be light casters. We get to be planters and harvesters. Covert and overt. Cold and hot. Not lukewarm. All you church people are like, man, he's quoting all kinds of scripture today. Put your hands on your heart. Lord, I thank you for revival. I thank you that it can look different than what we think. I thank you that we can be revival, that we can become revival. We can receive revival. We can give it, Lord. I pray that you are the hope in us. Glory, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for filling us up. I thank you that when your spirit comes upon us, we receive power to do the most unlikely things and reach the most unlikely people and to penetrate culture to penetrate society, Lord, to see change among us and around us and through us, Lord, and in us. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless you, and we just pray that, um, man, that we are blessed in the city and the country, that we are the lenders, not the borrowers. Lord, that we are blessed that your face shines upon us, that we are blessed in our coming and our going. Let us be blessed, and let us taste and see continually that you're good in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, there's prayer people up here. If you need prayer, we love you. Have an amazing week. God bless you guys. Let's experience some revival.